Welcome to episode 37 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Understanding the book of Hebrews is critical in light of some of the arguments coming out of the hyper-grace movement. This is Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. On our last several podcasts, we talked about presuppositions that people are making about the ministry of Jesus and filtering the word through that rather than filtering, filtering, filtering excuse me, our experiences through the word. Uh, the thought really came to me that understanding the book of Hebrews is so critical in this debate and controversy that we call uh, hyper grace or being unhitched from the Old Testament or whatever you want to call it. And the book of Hebrews was written for a very specific purpose. Well, first of all, let's discuss who was the book of Hebrews written to. Well, you're right, Hebrew people. Hebrew people who were radically converted to Jesus Christ, who had been raised in the synagogue, who knew the law, had made sacrifices, many of them themselves, because the Bible says there were priests that were obedient to the law, who came from a Levitical background. So the book of Hebrews was written specifically to deal with the issue of what part of the law do we need to obey or observe, or maybe even the word is honor, because that's how it is presented in the book of Hebrews. There are two real strong themes in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Number one is the deity, the godness of Jesus Christ. And number two, the fulfilling of the sacrificial and the ceremonial law, because Jesus was the ultimate priest. So I just want to cover those a little bit. Maybe we're going to skim through some things in the book of Hebrews in the next couple podcasts. Now, if you're a business leader or a secondary leader in the church and you're thinking, what does this have to do with me? It has a lot to do with you in your appreciation for the word of God and in discipling other people. So I trust you just bear with me through these next couple broadcasts so that you can grow in your faith, not just an application of some pragmatic principles, so to speak. So let's look at Hebrews 1 and chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, because it really sets the tone. And it says, after God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So he talks about speaking to the, the spiritual fathers and to the prophets in many ways he spoke through them. In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, from whom also he made the world. Okay, so what is he doing here? He's saying, number one, the things that Jesus spoke are equal with the things that the prophets spoke. Notice he doesn't say disregard the prophets. You'll never find that in the book of Hebrews. He'll never say disregard Moses. He'll never say disregard the law. He will tell you where the law has been fulfilled. But he starts right away here by saying that Jesus created the world. Later in this chapter, he says, to which 
of the angels did he ever say, this day I've begotten thee. Okay, so number one, we see a high emphasis on the deity of Jesus Christ. And throughout this book, you'll see admonitions of people not to fall away from their faith or to become shipwrecked. The point that he's always addressing there is who is Jesus? Of course, every cult, the way you define a cult is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If he's not God, then he's not the Jesus of the Bible. If he's not God, he's not the Jesus he said he was. If he's not God, then he cannot be a perpetual high priest, and we've got to return to some kind of sacrifice or some kind of works for any hope of saving us. So these are uh, critical matters that the book of Hebrews addresses right out of the chute that we need to be uh, more than aware of. We need to be versed on. Look at verse 3, or verse 13. I mentioned it. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Now, this is a quote, by the way, of Psalm 110. This is pivotal. This is the same verse that Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. Psalm 110 to the cultural, theological Jewish believer was the same as Matthew 28 is to us. It was the Great Commission. And we, that, by the way, is the most quoted verse in the Bible. It's quoted 14 times in the Bible. More than twice as many as the just shall live by faith. In verse uh, 8 in chapter 2, part of the verse is quoted there again. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. So, not only is this an admonition of the mission of Jesus, it's also a great embracing of the mission of the church. The book of Hebrews, by the way, contains some of the strongest local church understanding in the New Testament. Now, the, the epistles give us a lot of revelation about the church, but the book of Hebrews gives us some insight into the nature and the mission of the church and basically, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, when he quoted Psalm 110, you know, I like to say it like this, he was saying, hey, boys, game on. God has not revoked his divine authority over this world to bring all things in subjection to him. And Jesus, quite frankly, had 12 disciples because there were 12 tribes. That was a prophetic thing that he was calling out saying that they were to have dominion over all the earth. And all throughout the book of Hebrews, we see this repeated again. So again, in Hebrews 1, what is the mission of Jesus? To bring all his enemies in subjection to his feet. And he's given that mission to the church. We see it repeated in Hebrews 2.8. Look at Hebrews 2.17 with me for a moment. Therefore... So there's some conclusions, okay? There's a lot of therefores, by the way. There are more therefores, therefores in the book of Hebrews than there is anywhere else because he's making deductive conclusions, helping believers to know where they stand and how they relate, above, among other things, to the law, okay? Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren 
in all things so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sons of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he was suffered, he is also able to come to the aid to those who are tempted. There was a lot of heresy for the first, actually 300 years of the church. There was still a lot of debate about the divinity of Jesus and the fact that he had an earthly ministry where he appeared to be like a man. So throughout the book of Hebrews, rather than the writer of Hebrews discounting the humanity of Christ, he exalts the humanity of Christ in correlation to him being a high priest. And this is one of those beautiful passages that he was made like us so that he could become a merciful, a merciful and faithful high priest. You know, the, some of the theological uh, people get into you know, these little questions like, well, is there anything God can't do? Well, one of those answers would be, as God, he can never be like us. So Jesus became like us. He, be, he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So he became a high priest. He was a legitimate high priest. He was very God of very God, yet he was very man of very man. And you'll see this theme continue to run throughout the book of Hebrews. Then we get to uh, chapter 3. Let me just read a couple verses there. Verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I'm going to build my church. Right? There it is, right there. Now he says, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, listen to this, whose house we are. See, we could live in Moses' house, but we are the house of Jesus. If we hold fast our confidence and boast our hope firm until the end. And what is the confidence and what is the boast? That Jesus' sacrifice was good once and for all, that he was a high priest who made the ultimate sacrifice that no other sacrifices have to be made. This is something really worth rejoicing about. And we see the complementary nature between the house of Moses and the house of Jesus, that Jesus built on that foundation. The emphasis here being that he became a priest like no other. Hallelujah. Look at chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, there's those therefores again. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What are we holding fast? Our confession? That Jesus is the Son of God. And then the next couple verses are just, I think, beautiful. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize or be touched, I believe the King James says, with our weakness or our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So there's this beautiful picture of Jesus not only being the Son of God, 
being the creator, being the one who will stand before ultimately in judgment, but being the high priest whose empathy with us does not have to be guessed, but we can have confidence on. Noting again that the writer of Hebrews does not see this as a conflict with the morals of Moses and the law of Moses, but just telling us that the ceremonial law and the sacrificial law had been fulfilled. I'm going to pick up this theme. We're going to just run through this a little bit so that you can uh, really encourage yourself. I would encourage you just, if nothing else, to read those first four chapters of the book of Hebrews. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. It's been great being with you for Leadership in Context. Today, Keith began a practical discussion on how to apply the Word of God in light of some of the arguments coming out of the hyper-grace movement. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. The book of Hebrews helps us understand what part of the sacrificial and ceremonial law was fulfilled by Christ, and that the moral law, the criminal law, the applications of the law still stands today. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, innerpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at In Our Pastors. See you next week.